This week, we will be considering the importance of peer development in software engineering. Welcome to the Experimental Podcast Series 1 of Pilgrim Engineering Architecture Technology. This is Episode 5, I believe, Peer Development. So uh, let's give you a little bit of an agenda. Uh, so peer development, I'm going to talk to you about that, of course, and peer programming. Uh, discuss what is peer development, who created this thing, experiences of this actual process and give you some hints and tips regarding interviews and future prospects for the IT industry regarding peer development, the way I see it going. So on with the show. So what is peer development? So peer development is an agile software development technique uh, in which two co-workers, uh, software developers, uh, DevOps, uh, even project managers can sit together at one workstation in some really strange circumstance. I've actually witnessed two people at a standing desk um, go through a project management spreadsheet. Uh, it works really well, peer development, and that's my opinion. So uh, the general idea you have, a let's start with engineers, software developers. Uh, one co-worker is the driver who writes the code and is developing and typing code on the machine. Uh, and the other person... Uh, who's sharing that machine is the obs observer or navigator. And the idea is that as the code is being typed, uh, each line of code is reviewed or each line of production and test code is reviewed as it goes in and is producing the actual benefit. The other thing is that the two people in that pair will switch roles. That is, uh, at some point during the day or 25 minutes later, the observer will come the driver. The driver will become the observer. It's really quite straightforward. And pair development really came and was, I suppose, became popular through the agile development software process, the software life cycle, which is a total polar opposite to waterfall or traditional waterfall te technology process. Uh, and particularly through a person, a fellow called Kent Beck, who was and is still a proponent of Scrum which is 
a agile software pro- process and methodology or and also xp which stands for extreme programming okay that's really scary so don't have any fear that engineers most of my working life i have seen individuals typing code solely at a machine uh, for the longest time it wasn't until the early noughties uh, 2005 did I hear about XP and peer development and it's just recently uh, become popular I, I would say in Great Britain although there are companies like Sky and other places uh, who have been working peer development for a very, very long time. So what's happened in peer development uh, in a typical organisation? For organisations who are into peer development, it tends to be 100% of the time, and that can be scary. Uh, where it is mandated by the organisation, if not the organisation, it will be a particular department or project that is part of that organisation. And as I said, the idea is to improve code quality. So the reason why people swear by peer programming is because there is empirical evidence that although it requires the resources of two people as in person hours or man hours or woman hours to to deliver code in comparison to two full-time engineers empirical evidence has shown that the quality of the production code increases by at least 15%. And for really good peer developer engineers, this can double or even quadruple uh, for a certain period of time. So hold your horses, project managers. It's not a free lunch for uh, you know that this is the answer to everything of your dreams your project's going to be finished in double the time that's not what this is all about so peer development is tied in with test driven development in a big way as i said before kent Beck, who is one of the proponents of XP, who also helped to create a unit test framework in Java called JUnit and and other such technologies. Um, What can I say about peer development? If you've never tried it, do, do not knock it. Um, it works for 
software developers programming Java or Scala or C Sharp or Haskell or Clojure. It even works for DevOps, developer operations. For It can work for testers as well who work with a engineer. Uh, it is generally uh, a great way to work. Uh, let's delve a bit deeper into the reason why. The reason is... Uh, I think the chief reason is, as I said, the code is being reviewed at the point of entry. And this means that peer development is, I suppose, perpendicular uh, to code reviewing. So many, many developers and engineers and architects have had their code reviewed you can think of peer development as reviewing at the source with another engineer sitting next to you. Let's talk about setup. As I said, the most important thing uh, for peer development is sitting comfortably. So you, companies who have this Peer development technique will have the same sort of comfortable lumbar support chairs and also uh, ergonomics, a mouse, but they will be sharing one workstation and it can be, say, a Windows desktop machine or a laptop. However, uh, the biggest benefit is that the observer and the driver share at the keyboard. If they do not do that, they have two external keyboards plugged into the same workstation and are looking at the same screen. And if you are quite fortunate, uh, each pair developer or engineer has access and is looking at their own display screen so in for example in windows you will have two say dell monitors um, in in the macintosh or world of osx you will have one imac and that display will be mirrored on to, say, a Dell monitor, and that works really well. So at best, you will have two mice and two keyboards all attached by Bluetooth or wired to the same computer. So each person uh, of the pair can control the computer. Uh, so that's the way it works. Um I should throw in a bit of advice here. Um, as I said, uh, one person drives whilst the other person observes. Uh, and, and generally, they switch roles. So a popular technique to switch roles is to, in test-driven development, one person writes the failing test methods and that other person then uh, writes the implementation. 
uh, that fulfills the test. That's the general way of making the test pass uh, or doing refactoring. Um, It does work really well, peer development. Uh, It's uh, let's look at some of the advantages uh, of peer development. Uh, the obvious thing for me is that uh, uh, this, uh, when you have two programmers, two experts, uh, or of a similar competence, there's greater scope to share ideas. Uh, to come up with unique and in, and really bright solutions because most of the time uh, your peer has a different background and a, and a different development path from the other person, from you, for example. Some, and, and therefore it can be euphoric it can be illuminating to actually listen to what the other person says um uh, the way it also works peer development is knowledge is shared with the team so when you are working in a hundred percent uh peer development experience you tend to work and swap peers every second or third day. Or in some cases, some companies will swap every single day in order to share the knowledge. But I find that kind of extreme. There are exceptions to the rule where one peer is working on, on a spike or critical refactoring and the rules can be broken. Um, the programmers bring different experiences to the task. Um, each pair may access or have definite, definite experience and, the, and information relative, relative to solve a particular problem in a different way. Uh, and, and they have obviously different relationships to the problem by virtue of how they are have come into the point that they are working at now and i suppose i'm skirting around the edges Uh, each person's path in life is very different to yours uh you will never share well, you won't normally share the same path unless you are a peer program with a member of your family or a brother or sister or even a twin. It's very unusual. And even then, you as individuals will like different things. Um, so my experience of peer programming is it's relatively new. Um, as an independent contractor, there aren't many companies in Great Britain who actually practice 100% peer programming. However, uh, for those of you who are not on this happy path yet, uh, it's quite easy to get started peering 
especially if you are working on a, a really sticky problem and it might be easier to put two heads together and share a keyboard and attack the problem for a morning. In that case, peer programming is not 100%. And once you've solved the problem or you've made significant headway, you can go back to programming individually and then put your headphones or your cans on and listen to music. But for those of you who appreciate uh, peer development, it is really a path to fast-paced learning and knowledge share and actually talking and discussing ideas with your peer partner. You, it really does improve your communication skills. It improves your listening and it improves your vocal abilities to explain technical reasons why a particular method doesn't look right and will fail or conversely you can congratulate your pair on such a wonderful idea uh, that solves the problem because you didn't think of that yourself um peer development can work across languages it can also work for um, platform engineers, testers, um, technical architecture. Trying to think of ideas where it, it doesn't quite work out and it's harder. Um, perhaps in sales and marketing or definitely individual partnering situations, uh, it doesn't work to the benefit of the actual process and I'm struggling here um, so definitely let's list the pros here the advantages definitely improving code quality uh, for me this is really important there's no blame for the individual uh, for the delays in the project a project manager or a stakeholder will will find it harder to blame a pair of developers and that is because the pairs often rotate every two or three days any blame and lateness for task or tests is shared with the team uh, the clear advantage, you learn faster sometimes. Knowledge is definitely shared. You work as a team or as a squad. Everyone in the peer development team has the same focus. It increases your communication skills, just orally, vocally, and it should improve emotionally as well. The disadvantage of peer development you definitely need more concentration at work so if you are the sort of person who likes to really slack off and not communicate 
then peer development is definitely not for you. Um, with that concentration, scrum masters, project managers need to give their peer developments um, some slack time. They can't always be on it all the time. And in this case, I would strongly recommend the Pomodoro technique to do 25 minutes of work, then take a five-minute break, and then come back and do it. It's with peer development, because there's more concentration and more focus, more attentiveness, when you first start this, it can be quite stressful depending you could have little headaches because you're not used to doing this but stick with it and don't work late work your normal hours it's going to be better for you as an engineer in the long run if you do nine to five it's really not for you if you're going to work from nine to eight o'clock at night unless there is a real emergency. Um, some people have had issues with peer development. Some people have knocked it, uh, even if they haven't tried it. My advice is... When you, if you want to try it and you uh, have a contract or a job where, a permanent job where you're invited to uh, become part of a 100% peer team, um, try very hard to be, folk. try to be focused. Don't be disengaged. Um... It sometimes can be really tempting to have moments of silence. Uh, but if you're silent as somebody is driving and typing code and you're not responding, you're not offering criticism or even better praise or not uh, offering any sort of encouragement, then it, that's a lack of respect first of all for the pair and it shows to me that maybe you don't want to collaborate at all um, I would throw something else in there like if you are extremely advanced and experienced in software engineering uh, be careful of how you handle the feelings of junior members. Um, I would suggest that give advice, positive advice, and let that junior member sometimes run with the ball and if that person does make a mistake, uh, do not chastise them, um, treat them with dignity and allow them 
or give them a path to clamber back up and rub their knee and continue onwards. And it it really does help. Um, uh, If you are very advanced, you might find yourself in the observer position a lot. Uh, This could be frustrating because younger engineers or novice engineers to be really fair who are really interested in solving and uh, and hacking and and producing really great code and they enjoy the good feeling of typing and it can be quite Pressing if you are observing lots more times than you are driving. Um, However, bear with it because you know, uh, because you're advanced, that you could drive really well with no problems at all. And sometimes you will come across a junior or someone less experienced than you, who is an actual hipster, who really does impress, and that is impresses you with their new skills and ways of working. So that can be of benefit to someone who's really advanced. If you turn this around and flip uh, this situation on its head, um. For a younger, uh, less experienced engineer, uh, will look up to you uh, because you have some guidance, some knowledge, some experience, and you offer good feedback and critique, not criticism or put-downs, to how they work. Because everybody in this industry is interested in becoming good apart from the people who don't care about projects, are protecting their jobs, have some political uh, will or ulterior motive. Most of us just want to get the job done and serve our clients. So I'm going to move on to actual interviewing and testing um, for peer development right now. First, let's have a break. Welcome back again. 
So I'm going to talk about two different types of peer development interviewing tests. Most of you will have heard of driver tests. Very few, I bet, would have heard of observer tests. So I'm going to talk about the driver ones first. So this is a situation where you are in the process of going for a next a next contract or a full-time position. And in one of the stages, you have to perform a peer development test for perhaps one hour, 30 minutes long. Most of the time, it would be one hour long. And you have to achieve some set software development task in your favorite language that you're going up for Java, Scala, Ruby, whatever it is. And so it will be, in many cases, fizz buzz. And I've seen this, and it's been done to death. Uh, and, and there are videos on YouTube of how to peer development or peer program, the fizz buzz test. So this shouldn't be a problem. The most important thing uh, is not understanding test-driven development. Uh, it happens that the biggest mistake is not running the test at all. Uh, people write the test and they do not run the test and they make the mistake of going straight from tests to production. Remember what test-driven development is. Write a failing test first. Watch it go green and then go red and then write the production code that passes the test. Then clean up both the production code and the tests, the unit tests. So, so they, it's not running the test, first of all, not refactoring when there's an obvious need to refactor. Uh, and the biggest failure is because engineers, they're not in the habit of refactoring. Um, you can't see the wood from the trees because you cannot see duplicate code, uh, not invented here, don't repeat yourself. Um, the other thing is spending too much time in the production code when there is refactoring. Remember, you're under test conditions and the exercise will typically be very simple. You really want to keep it simple, stupid, and even keep it insanely stupid. Um, number three is not understanding the favorite testing framework in your chosen language. Not understanding JUnit, assert, not understanding Hamcrest. 
and not understanding Mokito, um, for example. And this is where perhaps watching those YouTube videos on unit testing will help because really try and remember what the static imports in Java. So that import static org.junit assert dot asterisk will get you the assert that. Um, I'm not keeping up to date with Java 8 or even JUnit 4 is, you know, a, an instant failure. Um, not writing codes that test one piece of functionality, writing a test that is essentially weak or doesn't test the production code in any meaningful right way. And it in when you are driving it it can be really strange if you're not using not used to test driven development at all. And so my fifth piece of advice is to go to a user group or find someone, a colleague or mate. Uh, who or go to a conference where you can sit down with someone and learn about test-driven development properly. Uh, and the, my sixth problem is when the issue is when you, people are faced with the initial problem or question in the exercise is that they fail instantly because they go writing the implementation code or production code. They never start writing the unit test. So it always impresses at interview time where you, the driver on the test conditions, reach for JUnit and you you go inside your favorite IDE, Eclipse or IntelliJ and right click with that mouse, new uh, unit test class. And you start from there. That all oh, imbues a lot of confidence in the observer, the testers. And bear in mind, uh, it's usually... You, the driver who is writing the test code, and also the a, a developer manager who's hiring you, and also a witness who is also observing of both the manager, the hiring manager, and you, the driver. So, so no kind of dispute or challenge can be made. You either write with TDD or you don't. So that covers generally the driving side of it. Um, yeah, so just practice FizzBuzz on your own. Uh, look at a few YouTube videos and just learn that stuff and practice it with 
on your everyday daily code, even if your manager doesn't want you to or to practice or you've or just make sure that becomes your way in for test driven development, at least for peer program. Uh, there are some human sides to it, which also apply. You really want to give the observer eye contact. Look away from your keyboard and the screen and glance and make eye contact with the observer. That he or she is looking at how and assessing how you would behave in the workplace. So that's really important. And so ask questions, clarify, uh, explain how you are thinking. It can't, I couldn't, I could really, really try hard to express it. The amount of people who silently code uh, is an instant fail and don't explain. And so it to pass a peer development test really is pra- practicing in the mirror um, like you're going nuts or crazy and making sure that you are talking, you are elaborating, explaining, but not too much. You, you Remember, the aim of the exercise is to write production code, not bore the observer to death. So now let me switch over to the observer development, peer development test. And this is not done usually. It's In fact, it's quite weird in that... It's for really, I think, for advanced, really advanced people who know how to develop and talk to people. So it's a twist. You go into the interview and the manager is driving the code and typing the production code. You, as the interview candidate, is observing. So, in fact, what you are doing at the observer is explaining what should be typed to solve the particular exercise. So think about this for a second. You have been given an exercise and you have to explain to the hiring manager you have to explain to the hiring manager, he or she, male or female, how to pass this test. And so what do you do? The first thing you tell the boss is to create a test. So it's the wheels, the, the table has been turned, in fact. So this really does test your emotional, your empathy, because it's not just technical knowledge that is being tested here. They are testing your advanced level knowledge and how you communicate as a team to see really how you are 
uh, how you interact. And the reason why driven tests are sometimes preferred, especially for advanced level software engineers, is because they don't want attitude problems in their highly agile teams of 100% developers. So if if you have a problem with people, it will really be apparent here. So any advantage of working in presentations, in talking to groups of people, being comfortable talking and discussing and collaborative work really will pay dividends in this sort of test. The challenge is you still have to solve the FizzBus or whatever computer science programming, but you are not touching the keyboard. You're telling the other person what to type. And they will come back at you with suggestions if you've missed um, some critical areas of programming. Because the observer, the driver is not a dunce or stupid. They are going to, they're testing how you respond. And also in this case, and more important in this case in uh, observer test, de- de- peer program development per test, there will be a witness there, perhaps even a second witness to make sure that all the, the dots uh, are dotted, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Um, you still have to perform and look your best and be confident. And again, I'm thinking, can you really practice for this advanced uh, observer test? You probably could, but it pays off to be already have some type of experience collaborating with other teams beforehand and so you might find it harder to prepare for this kind of test if you don't have this experience in any case so peer development I've explained what it is uh, and how it works Um, I think peer development is really good it's I think it's going to be hard for me to go back to individual uh, software development work um, because I'm so used to it now Um, uh, but we will see so that's all for this episode so I bid you adieu Have a nice day wherever you are and keep on rocking that code. My name is Peter Pilgrim and this has been a Pilgrim Engineering Architecture podcast. You can find me at Xenonique on my website www.xenonique.co.uk and follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Pilgrim. I'm very interested in feedback, share, comment, likes, all very appreciated. See you next time. Enjoy your day. Bye.
Jimi Hendrix James Marshall Jimi Hendrix was an American rock guitar singer and songwriter. He was born on the 27th of November 1942. Kiss the Sky 